This is the State of Innovation podcast, where digital transformation's finest share their strategies and stories. Because we are not bullshitting, right? We no. believe in this. We're living we're it every day. We're not trying to sell anything. We believe in this. We live it, right? Yeah. This is why I, I like it. And I can, you see, I can talk about this like uh, endless. Blah, 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 blah. In any direction, blah, 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 blah. In any angle. Blah, 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 blah. You want to be here talking about it. Yeah. I'm kind of seeing a, a reoccurring theme of, I would say, three pillars that I keep hearing you um, sort of talking around and, and messaging. And I, I wanted to try to make a formula from all of our conversations. So what, what do we actually okay. need to fix? So the three kind of pieces um, that I'm seeing, and I want your feedback on this, I'm seeing a lot of conversation about what needs to improve with the message. It seems like, number one, it's something around better communication of the business value or the ROI. That's pretty straightforward. Um, number two, it seems like some conversation about the business systems to understand the difference between the new technology that you want and how it works with your old technology that you currently have. That seems like it's missing. And the third pillar that I've sort of picked up from our conversations is about risk is about business risk, addressing the elephant in the room. What if this goes wrong? Is there a strategy? Is there a rollback strategy? Is there a hybrid mode kind of thing? I would just love your, uh, your feedback on these and uh, maybe you can provide some thoughts on, on all three of them there. Um, the first one was the business value or the ROI. It seems like nobody would, would screw this up. It seems obvious, but, um, but it seems like it's not. Do you, do you want to say some words about that? You know, like we talk about the, the concept that there's uh, executives, there's, uh, they should be responsible on delivering the vision and uh, the, the direction to the business, right? Yeah. What I also see quite a lot that uh, a lot of people on management position in the business, they don't understand even the concept of uh, What the immeasurable outcome of management? Think about it. Like when you ask uh, your, uh, your team about what the measurable outcome of manager, what the role of manager, and it can go from really from the hyper high level perspective executive up to the like uh, middle management and so on and so on. Yeah. Sometimes you hear like, oh, managers are supposed to do this and this and this and this. I would say this is tasks that managers are supposed to do. Mm. We only need, and it's not just about manager, it's everybody in organization. We need to think about what the measurable outcome of every person. So manager, he, his manageable outcome is the result of uh, work that he does and his team. So all that comes together to the message that we need to deliver and how we address the, the message and how we manage this. When we get this clarity and this understanding, 
then it kind of get translated also to the business uh, from the business to the technology because by the end of the day when we'll kind of take this chain and yeah. we'll get to the technology department and we will ask them what is measurable outcome of your activity i don't want to hear like oh i need to be uh, sure that my server will get patched no <laughs> this is not a measurable outcome of your department your measurable outcome is the working backbone that allows line of business applications to do uh, to fulfill duties of the business department and craft a new offering and services and make business moving forward yeah so there's big gap even from the positioning of the message and transitioning this message really from the top to every single person in our in the organization and it sounds like you're blaming both sides too so if i'm a technology vendor and i'm selling a new technology to you i'm not addressing these outcomes i'm not addressing the roi enough but it seems like the company that i'm presenting to is not uh, giving me the right information to understand what's important to them what do they want for the outcome so it seems like you should never point the finger and say it's one one side right it seems like they both don't know how to talk to each other even the business side doesn't know how to communicate their own needs i, I wouldn't blame any anybody but for <laughs> example if you will talk about uh while i don't want to blame anyone because blaming uh brings no value right okay? let's just face the situation and think how we address it Okay, so for example, if you talk from the vendor perspective, many vendors and their sales uh, teams, they just come and emphasize uh, what their product brings to the table, the functionality of the product, uh, like features of the product, blah, 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 all this bullshit. Okay, I don't care what product we're talking about. If you really position this, your product from the angle of just technical aspect, I would call it bullshit message, okay? Business sometimes, yes, unable to articulate what they need. So the vendor comes and pushes the product and sometimes tries to explain how the ROI will work in this particular case, uh, how li li a new licensing model benefits the financial department, all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But in many cases, business wants the vendor to interview them, if you will, about the problem. Yeah. They don't know that, that the discovery should be initiated by vendor. Sometimes they are unable to articulate the problem sometimes business just sees the problem or outcome of the problem they even don't know the problem itself yeah i'll give you one simple example business get compromised from the security perspective so they will declare oh we get hacked and the corporate data gets stolen 
this is just outcome of the problem. It's not the problem that data gets stolen. Yeah. Right? So let's identify the problem. Why hackers were able to steal the data? What allowed or what didn't prevent hackers to get access to the, uh, to the data? We need to go in different yeah. directions. And business sometimes, they, they, and they shouldn't think in a way that, oh, I, uh, I, I need to identify. This is why they bring v uh, some vendors, right. please help us to identify the problem. Yeah, but a lot of vendors in this situation, from what I've experienced, will say, we, we have a solution for you. We, we, we have something that we can give you that's going to improve your security without actually going backwards and really identifying the problem, right? They'll say, oh, you have a security problem? Oh, we have a solution. It's going to do better this. It's going to do better that. I would think the first thing you should do, though, a good vendor, a good technology vendor would go back and say, let's understand this problem a little bit better. Let's peel the layers of the onions a little bit. Because I also think that if the vendor understands those extra layers of that onion when it's peeled, I think they're going to be able to better sell something because they'll be able to position. Here is really where you're at today from a problem. This is actually what caused it. We're going to do something that's going to fix this in some way, shape, or form. So it seems like it's a problem almost running the discovery meeting in this case. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the case. Sometimes, again, it's so complicated the ecosystem. Some sales, they're just uh, forced to go and push product and they're yeah. just trying to sell. Yeah. Okay, because they're trying to reach their numbers, okay, to get bonus, whatever. Yeah. Some of them don't, don't see this as a long run. They just, let's close the deal, that's it, okay? Uh, we're lucky enough that uh, it's not so many uh, vendors like that and not so many uh, sales people like that, okay? I don't wanna say like uh, labeled everybody like that. But I do see time to time the, this behavior, but uh, I, I, sh I should admit it's not the, the, the common sense, okay, here. It's not right. the, 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 the mainstream, okay? But still, unfortunately, uh, in many cases, I hear uh, things like, uh, oh, we have, a pro we have a product, here's the problems that this product solves. Do you guys have this problem also? Right. <laughs> it's not opposite. Let's study first the, the business. Let's study first what the challenges. Let's study, for example, why end users decided to find the workaround for the situation. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, for example, uh, the user adoption concept sometimes get ignored by many businesses, by many people. We can bring amazing technology to the to, to enterprise, amazing uh, use case. We can craft and uh, the like piece of the art from technology perspective. And then six months after that, figure out that actually end users don't want to use this technology. Right. And 
subconsciously they even sabotage the, the integration of this technology in the enterprise and they do everything possible not to use it and use something else. Why? Mm -hmm. And I've seen situation uh, not just once where enterprises uh, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on implementing this kind of uh, like enterprise level solution. And then they found that end users uh, don't want to use this. And of course the project uh, labeled as failed. After like three, four months, they try to initiate, re-engage. And sometimes they even change the vendor because they blame the vendor that uh, the, the implementation of the project was uh, mistaken. Let's bring a new vendor with the new approach. A new vendor steps in and try to do almost the same. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see again the failure. I know one particular use case where business spent more than a million dollars on trying to uh, implement a new ecosystem to the business. And end users, majority of end users, prefer to use 20 years old application and not to switch to the new one. And when we, when we started the, uh, the discussion, we, we started from the concept, we, we, start, uh, we started to walk in a business and talk to people what they love about this 20 years old application. Yeah, yeah. Right? We, we wanted to understand why the user adoption is failing here. So sometimes we need to kind of, uh, I would say we need to leverage some sort of psychology <laughs> to bring new stuff to, uh, to enterprise. Yeah. We need to understand what people don't like. Why? Why they don't want to use this particular thing? Yeah, I've always felt like one of the best frameworks for entrepreneurship and innovation is really to understand current state and future state, right? Like if you get deep information about the current state, which which is things like, why are you using it? How you're using it? Uh, understand what the alternatives are because the alternative could be a competitor or it could just be the, uh, I call it the nah factor. The nah, it's, it's too much work. It's too much of a pain in the ass. That the nah factor. But um, it seems like, uh, seems like that's very clear. Um, so I like to think of it from, yeah, current state, future state, understand the difference between those two. Then you plug in what you got. Um, the, the second, yeah. you know, what I, I, I would say simplicity is also important piece. What I mean by simplicity, well, let's stick to the to the cybersecurity uh, theme for a second example. Okay? Yeah. When we talk about cybersecurity and, uh, many enterprises, uh, kind of was in a position that where uh, IT department comes and says, oh, you want to get access to the network when you travel, you have to use VPN. Right. Okay. But we really strong on the security part. You have to, use, uh, we implement two-factor authentication. So it's not enough that you will have uh, just your own password. Here is a special device for you. And by the way, when you want to connect, you need to use this application. 
initiate this application, provide a password, then this device. And to activate this device, you need to remember another password. And uh, when you see on, uh, on the screen this number, you need to put some prefix that you need to remember. It's a nightmare. And I've seen many situations where uh, people wanted to work from home. Yeah. They, they, were in, they were in a position that they're like, okay, we will put our own time. We're willing to work extra just to do work. And they said, when they heard all this stuff, they're like, forget about it. Of course, all this could be addressed on a technology level. We can enable two-factor authentication uh, as a separate application on a mobile device where you just receive message where you need to click yes or no. Nothing else. And it's already second-factor authentication. We've built once uh, a use case and the client actually get to the point that I can call it three-factor authentication. Uh, it was really restricted uh, ecosystem and we need to be sure that uh, we do everything possible to, uh, to eliminate as much as possible risk of uh, getting hacked. Right. So we, we embedded uh, special uh, solutions on each device that provided additional layer, layer of security. And it was 100% transparent to the end user. So the uh, we introduced simplicity everybody was happy to use this capability. And yes, we used VPN. Yes, we used uh, two-factor authentication. Yes, we, we had really uh, secure channels. And yes, we had what I would say the most important piece, happy end users. By the way, when all this get built, after a month, we came back to the support team that provided end user support. Oh, and yeah. we asked them one simple question. How many calls you guys received from end users regarding VPN connection? The reduction was almost 90%. Hmm. Yeah. So it all depends like how we initiate even the project, how we run the project. It's not about technology sometimes. We need to study how people behave. So we need to be kind of psychologists, if you will, at some point. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I wanted to hit number two and number three here of my, my, my feedback, my interpretation of your message uh, and what's wrong with the message. Um, number two is about business systems, is about integrating new technology systems with old technology systems. Again, just like the business value, the ROI, the outcomes, this sounds obvious too. If I'm selling you something new, it seems like it's obvious to make an easy understanding and an easy solution of how my new thing is going to connect with your old things, your legacy infrastructure. Why, why is this conversation not happening? And do you agree that the lack of communication between connecting the new with the old is actually slowing down tech adoption. I would say it's also mindset again. I'm a yeah. fanatical on the mindset concept, right? Uh, 
I do see enterprises that uh, their executive team works with the mindset, if it works, don't touch. Yeah, right. right? Uh, we just finished one uh, big project, really big project, where we were migrating to the cloud from the technology that already 25 years old. Funny part that cloud vendor has no solution for the connectivity with so old ecosystem. Right, right. Old ecosystem is not uh, like even vendor of the old ecosystem already not in the business. So I even don't want to talk about the risk that executives took on themselves to leverage application 25 years old without having decent support on it. Let's put even this outside <laughs> of, right, the, right, of the conversation. Right. So for us, it was a challenge how we build this interconnectivity between those two different galactics <laughs> to allow smooth transition because there's no way you can migrate from one state to another state overnight, especially in a big enterprise. It has to be some sort of hybrid mode, some sort of coexistence. So we needed to uh, architect, design, and build this solution to interconnect those things. But what we heard from uh, executives, they're like, yeah, it, it was amazing application. You see, it, it worked for 25 years. Yeah. I would say it makes more sense to do constant improvement as you go. It costs you less to the business overall. You constantly leveraging cutting edge technologies. You're constantly improving your people happy and you have less risk to the business. So I think the, uh, that some enterprises, they kind of stuck in, uh, in, the, in the past. And right now they have a fear how to integrate with the new stuff. Yeah. Is there something right? that the, is there something that the new technology vendors can do to help them get unstuck? Because maybe the 25 year example is maybe not the most common, but it seems like it's really common in the enterprise that you have stuff that is too old. Too old could be 10 years, it could be 15, it could be 20 years, but you have some old stuff, you have some existing stuff. Um, what, should, what should the new technology vendors do to help these dinosaur systems to advance? Is it, is it largely in the messaging? Are they not saying the right things? Are they not speaking the right language? Or what, what are the pieces of that problem as it relates to kind of this gap that we're talking about? It's quite tricky, I would say. Many new technologies and the vendors of the new technology, yeah. they don't care about legacy stuff. They live in their illusion that business will switch to, the, to their new tech overnight. I don't know how, why. Like, full full I switch. I see this a lot. Full switch, big bang approach, bam, over weekend business shifted to our new amazing technology. Right. I, I do see this a lot. 
especially when we talk to the uh, blockchain vendors, like uh, uh, companies that building the blockchain solutions and uh, they barely speak, many of them barely speak about how to integrate with the legacy ecosystem. I see this. <laughs> they just talk about the, all the benefits of the new tech, new solution, values, uh, profits, everything. But they kind of missing the message how to integrate with uh, legacy stuff. Yep. Okay. This is one. On another hand, uh, enterprises, because they have some, uh, uh, I would say it's quite common actually, look, many big enterprises, they still have applications and services that aged, really aged, like why to go far. Um, if you will search uh, on the internet, I guarantee you will find this, uh, this article. I don't remember the name of airport. I don't remember the, uh, the city, but search for it, okay? Just from curiosity perspective, you will find that there's airports in the world that still leveraging technology from 1969 up until now, they paying millions of dollars every year to the vendor to, to have uh, ability to call their support center. This vendor has a stock of this old equipment from 1969 just to address the situation if something goes wrong. Yeah. I get scary when I get to airport with the thought that they might use technology from 1969. You don't want to fly there. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but this is the case. And we have a lot of uh, use cases like that. A lot of enterprises around the globe like that. They, they have something old that works and they just, they even don't know how to move on. Yeah they feel themselves stuck and they don't know how to move on. So uh, they can start building uh, new components, new ecosystems, and they always kind of band-aid solutions, how to interconnect services around. In this situation, what do you think, what would you tell them to do if you were sitting on their technology board as a translator? find a way to move on. There is always a way. Sometimes it may, uh, might be painful, but find a way to move on. Do not accept the situation that there is no way to move on, that we have to use this 90, uh, 1969 uh, technology. Yeah. No, right? There is a way to move on. Let's find how. Yeah, this ties into the third and final point about the, the issue with messaging as it relates to uh, the speed of technology adoption is about uh, business risks, right? It's the, if, if I do it, what happens if it doesn't work? Maybe there's not a lot of uh, use cases in my industry for this new technology yet. We want to be cutting edge. We want to try new things, but if we try it and something goes wrong, um, like 
I, I'm 60 years old and I'm going to lose my job and I don't want to start another career. So there's lots of challenges that happen there, right? Um, what's, what, what's your feedback about this situation? What, what, what is the problem and what should we do to fix the problem? How technology vendors communicate with enterprise about the addressing the risk part of innovation. We always need to keep in mind the risk. Okay, always. And uh, as a professionals, we always need to come from the angle, how we eliminate the risk or how we reduce the risk of doing anything. When you cross that street, it's a risk that you're gonna be hit by car. So you do everything possible to avoid this. If, you, uh, if uh, you're looking around to find the underground path, you're looking for uh, for uh, nearest uh, pedestrian, right? Like you always, if there's nothing, so you try to be really cautious about checking from where a car comes, how fast you you, you cross the, the the road, all that stuff, right? This is uh, kind of normal for us. We need to act the same when we uh, talk about anything in life, not just uh, like crossing the road. When we're in a business, when we talk about technology, okay, when we try to implement new stuff, new technology, we need to think about it. And yes, we need to to bring the how to even to say it, some sort of confidence to everybody in the business that there is a here's the plan A, here's the plan B, here's the roll uh, rollback. It's not one-way ticket. There is a ways to address the situation. This is what we're gonna do if something wrong will happen. Like we need to take all those scenarios. We need to take risk into consideration, and we need to address risk. Okay. Unfortunately, again, talking about new, new, new startups, new techs, new products, in many cases. Uh, the message is lacking uh, the big portion of related to risk. Yeah. Right? And this is probably one of the biggest challenges uh, with the adoption of the new technology. The uh, enterprises sometimes unable to understand what the real risk of switching to the new technology. So subconsciously, our brain on a DNA level we build, we we wired in a way that if I don't know what to expect, I will I will do nothing in this case. Right. Many people think like that. So if I don't know what to expect, I rather do nothing. <laughs> so this is kind of big challenge, and it, probably like all three points that you uh, uh, that we mentioned today. Look, all of them coming to the same, I would say, same fundamental message. It's all about messaging. How we communicate the message, how we communicate the desired outcome of the business, how we communicate the goal, how we communicate the uh, measurable uh, criteria of each part of the business, how we communicate the, the project, the value of the project, why we need to do it, how we communicate uh, what we're going to do in any situation that we describe in a section risk management. 
Right, right. Yeah. So it's probably everything comes to some sort of communication. Yeah, yeah. I'd uh, right. I, I know you've told me this story before, but I think this is a perfect chance to uh, for me to push you to retell it because it's I think it's so fitting because we have lots of conversations right now at uh, at deep dive about how to increase the speed of adoption of blockchain technology in the enterprise specifically. So if we want to increase enterprise blockchain adoption, what do we need to do? And I think it ties a lot into the messaging and the conversation we just had. And I know that you're a big believer that we should study history. We should study the past to better predict the future. And you're always comparing the story uh, in 2010, 2011, 2012, what happened with cloud. And you think it's, it's the same shit as what you believe is starting to happen and will happen with blockchain, um, could could you could you tell the story of what happened in 2010 to 2012 with uh, with cloud as it relates to the messaging here to carry this conversation home? Again, it's my observation. It's my 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 opinion, right? Uh, my my view on, on history. Back when cloud st just started to kind of uh, go live by many different vendors and uh, and big vendors like Microsoft, like IBM, like Google, like Amazon. The message was uh, the initial message to enterprises in some uh, form, some shape was, oh, you need to migrate. It was a lot of documentation, how to migrate in, uh, with the big bank approach. It was even written in the documentation, big bank approach. Uh, it was a documentation that were talked about, oh, if you can, your, your company this size up to, let's say, 300 people, you can go with a big bang approach. <clears throat> Adoption was almost zero. It was really, really slow, slow, slow adoption. Because nobody wanted to take the risk of the big bang approach. What if... <laughs> uh, the the big bank uh, failed over weekend. Now what? Monday. What are you gonna do? My business is not working. Uh, uh, my people are unable to send messages. Like many many things. Yeah. So adoption was really slow, and painful by the way, because the big bank approach was a big failure. Many companies failed. Many companies that actually did this big bank approach. On Monday, they started to use the new, uh, new tech, new cloud, and then they were struggling for weeks after that, until they kind of managed to stabilize the ecosystem. So it wasn't until just the they, message. The actual reality is that one, the ones that did do the big bang, they struggled too. They struggled. Like some of them struggled. Wow. Okay. So and actually, those that struggled they started to push to the world a really negative message. <laughs> right, right, right. And then it started to be as a snowball, like, no, screw it. Fuck this cloud. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it was, it was the, the, the belief, right? And a lot of technical people, evangelists, I remember myself like, oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable to push clients to cloud, hmm. right? Because like my message was different around that. 
and many uh, passionate, like really passionate uh, experts about cloud who constantly wants a new tech, they were pushing aggressively, cloud, cloud, cloud. But again, adoption was almost like none. Then vendors realized, wait a second, <laughs> it doesn't matter the size of the organization. Let's adjust the message and let's bring the solution also that allows enterprises to do stage migration, that allows enterprises to build, be in a hybrid mode, build the coexistence scenarios between what they have and what they were willing to use in the future, right? I remember we did one of, one of, one of the projects, uh, cloud integration, without moving anybody to the cloud. We just build the integration with the cloud just to allow the enterprise leverage one small functionality that was available in the cloud. Hmm. So we built all the coexistence scenario in hybrid mode without initiating the migration to the cloud at all. And then after about eight months, business decided to start the migration. So when vendors brought this new message, okay, guys, almost no risk. You can work in coexistence scenario. Here's the hybrid uh, architecture. This is how you can uh, eliminate the concept of one-way ticket. You need to move back to the on-premises. You need to move to the cloud. No problem, do it. Then adoption started to, to go, like uh, migration to the cloud was really like ho the, the hockey stick. Bam, crazy. Wow. Now we have probably what, 80% of enterprises already in the cloud in some, uh, some sort, maybe even more than 80%. They use somehow cloud services. I would say we have the same concept right now with a blockchain adoption mm -hmm. if you'll take a look like blockchain in general uh, already exists for 10 years yeah of course i would say probably last eight years blockchain was mostly focused on the cryptocurrency and mostly on the financial sector Last two, maybe three years, we started to hear more blockchain and enterprises, blockchain solutions, supply chain management on the blockchain, uh, security, identity, you, 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 you call it, okay? But when we take a look deeply on those uh, scenarios and use cases, you're not going to find many examples how this new ecosystem gonna interact with the legacy stuff. And this is, I would say, one of the big roadblocks. Enterprises, they're willing to go with the new tech. They're willing. Majority of people, they're smart. They wanna go with the new, new stuff, especially when, when it's really buzzwords, everybody wants to sniff and understand. <laughs> and, but sometimes they're like, Okay, wait a second. How I even start? How I do pilot? Where's my POC from uh, 
how this POC going to be integrated with uh, with my ecosystem. Okay, I build a new uh, new POC, new MVP product. Now what? And this is where I, I believe we need to really emphasize how these new blockchain solutions will work in conjunctions with what we have today. How we build the solution in a way that the new blockchain solution works in parallel, if you will, with what we have right now. So for example, if you have line of business application that stores data in some sort of database, whatever, Oracle database, what we need to do to allow this line of business application without really changing everything uh, overnight to store data in the same Oracle database and at the same time make something, some magic that this data will be available through blockchain as well. How we bring the confident level of executives that the moment when they have a blockchain ecosystem in place, it's not going to compromise the way the end user operates. By the yeah. way, end users shouldn't even know that business decided to shift to blockchain. <laughs> Why? That's true. That's true. They don't care. Yeah. You, when you sit down in the taxi or Uber, whatever, you don't care what oil actually in the engine, you don't care what, uh, what gas uh, the driver put in a, if, if it's a special or if it's super or if it's pre premium, you don't care. Great point. You just want to be sure that you will be delivered from <laughs> point A to, to, to point B to your destination. That's it. So people that work in a business and clients that were that consuming the, your products or your services, they just need to know that you can do this. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. So you as a business owner can come and say, okay, guys, here's the, uh, here's Mr. Client. We are, we are, we bringing to you new services and new capabilities. And by the way, we were able to do this because we, we started to leverage a new technology, new framework built on a blockchain. Yeah. You can brag about this. Sure. But end user doesn't care if it's a blockchain or not. Yeah. By the end of the day, they don't care. They, they, they can appreciate that you use this. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Your, your business can grow because they appreciate it. So for example, if you, let's say you, uh, you sell coffee. Okay. And because you use supply chain management built on a blockchain, you can introduce much better transparency and the history of the old coffee beans that you sell. And this turns into a marketing benefit and you can argue it does have a benefit to the end user at that point, but uh, a little bit less directly, but um, yeah, your, your, your example is very clear. I, I'm as a customer when I'm in the store and I have two bags of coffee from two different vendors and on one is, is printed, check the history of all beans in this bag scan from your phone the application like uh, this barcode i will do this just for, from curiosity perspective and yeah. when i will see the history <laughs> and all the chain what happened with those beans you might pay more for that chance. product exactly 
Yeah. I will buy it. Yeah, you might even pay I, a premium. So, for example, when we go and try to buy uh, uh, eco-friendly products. Yeah. You, you Usually, nowadays, by the way, I don't understand why, but usually it, it costs more, right? But people pay. Yeah. Right? GMO free. Boom. It's a double price. And they pay. Yeah. We pay. <laughs> right? So if you can add a Why? story to it, then, then you can argue it. you're offering end user value. But by the end of the day, it's still the same coffee. Still the same right? coffee. Yeah. So as an end user, you don't really care. You, you will enjoy and you, you might pay pre uh, premium for this. But by the end of the day, you come to buy coffee. Okay. So this is why I say like end users or end clients, they don't care what technology we use. But they do appreciate if they know that the new technology brings extra value to them. So this is kind of my angle. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uh, any any yes. final words, any final thoughts on your man, on your mind, man? <laughs> mind, man. <laughs> uh, I do believe the mindset, it's probably really important almost everywhere. It doesn't matter what we do in life. And when we talk about technology, it's important. When we talk about business, it's important. When we talk about life, it's important. Probably the most important thing that we need to learn as human is to control our mindset and control it from the, uh, from the level where we push ourselves to get something new constantly. So if we will start to live like that, that we always want to be better, it's a mindset, right? Mindset drives us. So when we'll get to the level that whenever we wake up in the morning, we think, okay, what are I gonna do better today? With, with this mindset, we will see that it reflects on everything what we do. If we do technology, if we introduce new technology, if we do business, like everything. I would say mindset is probably the, the, the driver of life. <laughs> I, I agree. So I love how we talked about the gap between business and technology. And the final thought, we brought it all together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it came to mindset. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Awesome, man. Okay, I think I'm going to cut the episode there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode at the State of Innovation. If you got feedback, ideas, or possible next guests, send us an email at info at stateofinnovation.show. Check out our website for all episode history, www.stateofinnovation.show. We're available on basically all major podcasting channels, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and whatever else is out there. And join the conversation going down on LinkedIn. We'll see you in another one. The State of Innovation Squad hopes you've enjoyed this podcast.